Welcome to On The Fly College Edition, a podcast presented by Playfly Sports. I'm your host, Gene DiFilippo. Playfly Sports is the full-service marketing and media company bringing digitally enabled innovations to the sports industry. Welcome to this edition of On The Fly. I'm your host, Gene DiFilippo, and in this podcast, like many of our others, we have some of the top sports people in all of the country. Our guest today is Stephanie Remp, one of the best administrators in all of college athletics. Stephanie has moved around like most of us have in athletics, and she is presently the executive deputy director of athletics at Louisiana State University. Welcome to our podcast, Steph. <laughs> Thank you. Nice, nice to be here. Steph, um, take us from college. Uh, you know, you went to the University of Arizona, you were an athlete. What were you thinking? And then take us through your career, which has been so interesting. And, mm -hmm. and I don't know how far you and I go back, but I remember when okay. you were in Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's see. I would I would go one step further away. I grew up in California. So I grew up on the beach and then decided to go to the University of Arizona where my parents and cousins and brother and aunts and uncles and everybody went to Arizona. So I followed in those footsteps. I was there for a total of nine years. I played volleyball and then I um, got a master's degree and then I uh, worked in the athletic department. And then from there, I had this incredible opportunity to go at 27 to be an associate AD in the SWA to UTEP in El Paso. Um, so that was one of those opportunities that you get when you're um, definitely uh, underqualified for a big job. And um, and I took it because it was a great opportunity and I had the opportunity to work for Bob Stull, who was a longtime football coach and he ended up there as the athletic director. Um, so he hired me and I was there for five years and loved every minute of it, bought my first house, just had a great experience. And then from there, I had the opportunity to go to the University of Oklahoma um, and for all those people that um, are out there that are uh, trying to navigate their way, um, you know, so much of our business is networking. And I had created a relationship with Joe Castiglione while I was at UTEP. Um, anyway, I had that opportunity. So I was at OU for five years and loved every bit of that, too. It was my first experience with really big football and having that experience of, of at the time, Big Ten or Big 12 um, football. And it was great. Uh, so I was there for five years. And then went back to the West Coast and back to the Pac-10. So I went to the University of Washington um, back in 2008 and had the opportunity to work for a man named Scott Woodward, who was just hired in September of 2008 to be the athletic director. And I started there in November. Um, he was a first time AD, which was um, obviously a, a, a great opportunity to have the opportunity, you know, have the chance to go and work with somebody who hadn't been a career administrator. And so he really challenged me to kind of look at the, the world of college athletics very differently. Um, so I was in, in uh, Seattle for uh, nine, eight, eight years. So I was at eight years at um, Washington. And then Scott, the athletic director, had the opportunity to go to Texas A&M and work for the president the president at the University of Washington left UW to go to Texas A&M. And then he brought Scott with him. And then I followed a few months later. So I started back at Texas A&M in 2016 and I was there for three years. And then Scott came to LSU. So Scott is born and raised in Louisiana. He went to LSU. Um, his parents are in Baton Rouge, all of that. I think he says fifth generation uh, Baton Rouge 
Baton Rougean, <laughs> Louisiana, anyway. So he's been here. Uh, uh, so then I came in, let's see, the summer of 2019. So I've been here for almost three years. So, yeah. What are some of your duties? Uh, I know that knowing you, you're involved in everything. Mm -hmm. But what are some of the things that you work on on a on a pretty daily basis? Uh, well, I have the opportunity to work with Playfly, which is really exciting. I don't mean to say that just because they're um, doing this podcast, but having the opportunity to work with the multimedia rights holder is pretty neat, especially when you have a chance to work with one like Playfly that is very different. Um, obviously, they're new to the business and approaching things in a really different, innovative way. Super excited about some of the things we have going on with um, Playfly, including a subscription service that we'll roll out this summer that we're thrilled about. Um, so anyway, so, uh, the nice part about my job, and this has to do with Scott as the athletic director and working for with him for so many years, he really lets me and, um, my counterpart, Virg Osbury, the two of us are both executive deputies and basically the entire department re reports through the two of us. And so as a result of that, I get to touch everything. Um, so everything that runs in an athletic department from our finances to, um, play fly to NIL to academics and, um, everything. Um, and then in addition, we get to work directly with TAF, who's our nonprofit, um, 501c3 that is responsible for all of our fundraising. So I liaison with TAF on a, on a everyday practically basis. And then our academic center is actually outside of athletics. So I get to work with the academic center and liaison with them and then the multimedia rights holder. Um, and then we've had some opportunities. We had a big announcement um, campus wide, I don't know, maybe a month ago that we have this new championship healthcare partnership with our Lady of the Lake Hospital, which is in town. And the partnership is campus wide. And it's, it was, we announced the largest gift in the history of LSU to, um, from Our Lady of the Lake and this healthcare partnership. And of that 85 million of that is coming to athletics over the wow. course of 10 years. Yeah, it's a really, really exciting project that we um, had been working on for about a year. And it finally came to fruition and we were able to announce it, um, you know, just this, this quarter. Uh, so anyway, just everything we're work, we're talking about we're work, we're working with Populous and with CSL on studying our facilities and even some potential development projects um, where we're developing land in the uh, you know kind of in our footprint and working with the community about that. We've had um, you know I tell a story every um, every new employee I have the opportunity to meet with every new employee and just this morning I met with our entire new men's basketball staff so they have about probably 10 or 12 new people. And so the reason that we meet with them, that, that I meet with them or each new employee is because since 2019 to today, LSU has been through a lot. And so it's important to share all the things we've been through so we can focus on what's important today and people can understand that. And that goes from, you know, our recent uh, men's basketball challenges that started in March of 2019. And then we won our football national championship 15 and 0 season and Joe Burrow and the Heisman in the fall of 2019. And then we had COVID as you know, and then from that, um, the death of George Floyd and what we were doing with that. And then we had an $81 million deficit. And then we had the USA Today story that talked about our, our missteps uh, regarding sexual assault and, um, and domestic violence. And then we had layoffs and pay cuts because of COVID. And then we were able to roll out some of the stuff we were doing with DE&I and had some significant hires 
And then we had the report about what missteps we had taken. And then if you guys remember everything that happened with Les, Les Miles at Kansas because of what had happened at LSU. And then from there, we've had, uh, you know, significant other things that have happened um, while we've been here. And so that's a big part of why we are, why, why we're so focused today on things like our commitment to the prevention of sexual and domestic violence and our, our commitment to diversity, equity, inclusion, as well as investing in our staff. And we've had eight head coaching changes in the last two and a half years, which as you know, is no small task onboarding eight new head coaches over a short that, period. That is really monumental, breaking them in and making sure they understand the culture and the rules. And wow, they're lucky to have you there, Steph. Oh yeah. Well, it's lucky to be here. We've, we've had, we've have, we, I feel like the reason we've been able to get through all of this stuff is because the people at LSU and how um, hard and how people are so committed to LSU and they're so, so committed to doing this right. We have a new president that started in May and he's been phenomenal. Um, and so there's just a lot of people working um, in the same direction to make sure we're, we're not making the same mistakes twice and we're going forward and making sure that this is a transformational place to work and everybody is aligned in our commitments and what we're, we're focused on. And obviously NIL and some of those things are a big part of what we do as well. Steph, you and I have been in this business for a long, long time. We've been everywhere. You were at Texas A&M. I've been at Tennessee. And uh, you know, there's some great venues across the country, Texas and Ohio State and Michigan, and we can go on and on. It's something else <laughs> when you play at night in, uh, in in Baton Rouge. Can you just describe a little bit? Yes, I can. Um, uh, so <laughs> I didn't, you know, I'd never, obviously, I hadn't spent any time in Baton Rouge. I was, when I was at a and we played here in football, but... Um, I really hadn't experienced it until till moving here. And, and then to get it firsthand in 2019 when we went 15 and 0 with Joe Burrow as your quarterback was pretty remarkable. But what everybody says about um, about Louisiana and about LSU, it's our people, our values, and our culture that make this place so unique. Um, and it, when you go into Tiger Stadium, it is, it's the people and the culture and um, you know, the, the stadium is old. And if you leave the bowl of the stadium, there are a lot of issues with concessions and restrooms and access and all that stuff. But as soon as you get inside the bowl, it's it's magic. And so much of it is our students, our, the tailgating experience around it, obviously what happens on the field, um, the band, the you know, all of those things. It is, it is a very unique experience coming to LSU for a football game, no question. It sure is. And it's a tough place to win. There's a lot of places that are tough to win. I'm not sure it's – LSU may be the toughest place to go on the road and win. That's, oh, my, here, yeah, yeah. that's my take. Mm -hmm. Hey, um, Steph, what advice would you give to a young Stephanie Remp on her way up? Hmm. Um, that's a great question. I, um, I do feel like everything that you do, somebody is noticing. And so when you are approaching everything you do, whether it's who you meet, walking into the office, how you perform your tasks, how you sit at meetings, how you interact with the public, um, somebody is noticing and they're either noticing something significant and it could be, you know, any, any particular direction. And I don't think people always realize that. And once you make an impression on somebody, especially if it's the first impression, it does have 
um, an impact. And so make sure it's a really good impact. Uh, I think that's that's something. And then, you, you know, you have to decide if you want to be in this profession and why. And if if you figure out why, then continue to follow that. Um, and then, just, yeah, I guess just decide what's important to you when you're when you're making your decisions on on this profession and where it's leading you and all of that. A lot of people at LSU they're in this business because they love LSU and they want to be in Baton Rouge and working at LSU. And so, when you have that's the case, then you're going to do a really good job and um, care about the institution, which can lead to a variety of different things. If you get in it because you want to be an athletic director and you realize you're going to have to move all across the country, then face that. You know, if you want to be close to family, or you want to be in the SEC, or you want to be with big sports, you know, all those things help you factor in the decisions that you take for your for your career path. And so, I don't know, pay attention and figure out what those things are, and they can change, but. Um, yeah. And then, you know what? I've got a new one. I've been saying, I've said this quote probably five times in the last two weeks because I just heard it recently. Um, and this has to do with our profession right now. And it was, if you don't like something, change it or change the way you think about it. And to me, that plays right into NIL, right? So many of us that are career administrators struggle with this NIL thing. And if you struggle with it, there's not a lot that you can do, right? It's here to stay. And so if you're going to work in this profession, figure out a different way to approach it and figure out a different way to look at NIL because it's here to stay and we've got to embrace it and we've got to move forward. And we feel like we've done a remarkable job at LSU about making sure we're embracing it from a year before it even was announced. We were on top of this and, and you know, doing a lot of stuff in preparation for July 1st, 2021. Um, and we knew we had to look at it differently. It's so different than when you and I started in this profession. Yeah. But, you know, embrace it and look at it differently. You know what? You're exactly right. We've had a lot of changes in through the years, me more so than you. I'm older, but you have two choices. You know what? You either change it if you can or you make the best of it. And that's uh, that that that's great advice. That is really good advice. You know, I can't take credit for it. Somebody else said it. But I mean, yeah, well, <laughs> you know, the advice I give to people is remember that the true warrior enjoys the process as much as he or she enjoys the prize. Yeah. And I was so driven, so obsessed, uh, so passionate that I think I did. Well, I know I didn't enjoy some of the years that I worked and I could have enjoyed the journey better. Yeah. And my always my advice to young people is enjoy the journey have confidence in yourself and in god you'll get to where you want to get if you're willing to work hard enough i like that advice steph um talk about leadership you've been under some some great people in your time what are some of the qualities that a, a good leader should have hmm. um so uh mm, I'll, I'll use what I think. Uh, yeah, I'll just say what I think is important. One is is the ability to communicate and the ability to communicate comes in so many different fashions, right? It is an expectation and making sure you're laying out expectations, but you have to be able to communicate about that. You have to have empathy. And so you have to be able to communicate that you have empathy um, because you can have empathy, but if you never talk about it, then people don't understand and, and feel it. 
um, there has to be accountability. But in order to have accountability, you have to be able to communicate it. And so if you're communicating effectively, then people understand the accountability and they understand the expectations and they understand that you're empathetic for their, their particular path and their particular challenges. And I, you know, I've only worked at public institutions and transparency is a big one for me. And I learned, I found that out when I started working in an environment where I realized the best way I learned was being in a transparent environment where everybody talked about everything. So if you're sharing things, you're teaching other people. And that's when I learned so much is when I was around people that created a transparent work environment. And so I think that that isn't the case for everybody, but is for me. I just, I would rather be transparent with everybody so they understand the decision-making process, that they understand where your head is. And again, it always comes back to the ability to communicate about those things. So um, yeah, I just, accountability and then creating expectations and being transparent and having empathy, I think are, are pretty important um, leadership qualities. Well said, well said. Steph, You've had a lot of great wins. You've had some tough losses in your career. You've had a lot of things. What are some of the most rewarding um, things that you can remember in your career? Huh. Um, gosh, that's a great question. I um, So when you think about great wins and losses, I instantly went to... Um, a softball game in 2009 at UMass when um, I was at the University of Washington and UW's team was ranked very high, but they didn't have lights. So that was when you couldn't host without lights. And so they were sent on the road. The first was to UMass, then to Georgia Tech, and then to the World Series for three weeks in a row. But the first uh, weekend was at UMass and because they had lights, they wanted to play at night. And so it was this Sunday night mat game where they pulled the lights out. And I'm not kidding. It was a duel of two of the best pitchers. One was Danielle Laurie, who was National Player of the Year. Um, and this other woman, and I wish I remember her name because I've used this often, literally went 15 innings until the dark of night and some crazy things happened. But the appreciation of watching two outstanding pitchers compete like i i don't know if i've ever seen two people compete as hard as those two individuals competed and unfortunately it was a regional game at some crazy hour of the night that wasn't on television and very few people got to see it but watching somebody like danielle laurie go after it that night and then to continue on and go down to georgia tech and win two and then go to the world series and win the national championship was remarkable and for heather tar who was the head coach at the time or she still is the head coach who played at washington and then had just started coaching there and for her to win her first national championship um, with a with a player like Danielle and a shortstop with Jen Salling and Ashley Chambers and this group of, of women that were absolutely amazing. And I still remember a colleague of mine talking about her son, who was probably six or eight at the time. And she asked him who her favorite athlete was. And he said, Danielle Laurie. And when you can have little boys in elementary schools, favorite athlete being females, it's a pretty special you know, monumental time and to watch things like that happen. And now obviously the celebration of 50 years of title nine is pretty remarkable this year. And so um, I don't know if that, if that answers the questions, but that's what, that's what came to mind for a pretty. You know what? That's, that's a wonderful story. It really is. Imagine the young guy saying that 
that the the pitcher um, was was his favorite athlete, and yeah. that's what this is about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's that's terrific. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when are you at your best? Uh, I'm I'm going to say, knowing you, that and and this is just my opinion. You're at your best when you're with the student athletes and you're really helping them to become men and women and to be better um, each and every day. That's my take on you. But, you know, could you expand a little bit on that? Sure, I can try. Um, You know, obviously, I got into this profession um, because of the impact college athletics had on me as a student athlete and my role as a student athlete, different experiences I had. And it, some of the things that drove me at Arizona, at UTEP, um, at Oklahoma, for sure, was figuring out how to be um, how to be a role model for the student athletes, how to continue to put them in a position where they could demonstrate leadership and their holistic experience as student athletes, not just on the competition arena or whatever. Super important. But what I found in my career as I get um, further and further along, I realize the the impact that I can have is probably more so on the people that surround the student athletes. And so I have this thing, and we've had a huge focus on hiring over the past two years, say, at, at LSU. And there's no question, the most important thing that we all have in our lives is our student athletes, by far. Student athletes are the center of every single thing we do, every decision we make. But I believe the the most significant way that you can truly impact our student athletes is to surround them with the best people. And so much of that, um, you can, you know, give them the best nutrition and the best bells and whistles and travel and all those things. And they are, they, they do have an impact on recruiting and, and their experience and their recovery and all of that. But how you truly impact our student athletes is on the people that surround them. And so we need to make sure that we are focused, really concentrating on how do we go out and recruit the best and the staff that we have, how do we make sure that we're training and developing them and then retaining the people that are truly impacting our student athletes. And so we have a huge focus that we've put on um, on the hiring process, whether it's going out and recruiting and then how we hire them, how we onboard them, what experience they have, and then making sure that our kids and how we get feedback from our student athletes. And um, we really make an effort to make sure we're listening to the to the pulse of our student athletes and we're responding to them when we hear different things. And we're doing things to make sure we're training and developing our, our coaches and our staff and our trainers and our strength coaches and our life skills and our mental health people and all of that. And so for me to think in my role that I can truly impact student athletes is not, is truly not for me personally to impact them is not as significant as probably I got into this business thinking it could be, but I've, I've figured out how to rechannel my energy and make sure that I'm, I'm doing what I can to ensure that our staff that is directly touching our student athletes is really impacting them. Wow. Wow. You can see now why I said that she's one of the, the very, very best administrators in the country. Mm-hmm. You know, being a friend and knowing you for a long time, uh, you're also a terrific mother and a terrific wife. How do you balance all the things that are on your plate from a family standpoint, a business standpoint, um, having uh, enough time for you to do a few things that you enjoy uh, and and getting away and relaxing a little bit. How do you balance it all? 
Well, I think the first thing is de defining what balance is, right? There's, there really isn't a true balance, right? You've just got to do the best you can with what you've got. And I, I will tell you, I've had the struggles that every, every woman and probably man too in this profession has had. And I know for me, I was a very late, uh, I didn't get married till I was 38. I had my first kid at 39 and then the second one at 42. So that is not the traditional way that things, that things go. But because of that, I got to build my career first. And then when I had children, I was able to balance it in a different way. But I will tell you what's hard is that for me, I grew up, I'm pretty old school, right? I grew up where how much time you put in the office and showing up to every event and, um, you know, beating everybody at the office and outworking everybody and all those things is what I built my career on. And now as I look back at that, I, I don't I don't know any different, although I know that there are people in this profession now that do have children and we do a lot of things to make sure that we're supporting them and create an environment where people can bring their families and feel comfortable. And I do that by making sure mine are here so that other people have uh, feel comfortable having their children here. But our profession is one um, that for me, so much of my, uh, what I think is um, valuable is developing relationships with people and developing relationships takes time and time is what you have less of when you are um, trying to figure out kids and all of that type of stuff. So um, I think you have to have um, a boss and a support system that know how to help you uh, when you have kids games that you want to go to, or you need help picking somebody up at, at, at school, or you have to bring your kids to something when, um, when maybe kids shouldn't necessarily, it's maybe not the best environment for kids, but you can bring them because you know that that's the way you make this work. Um, and so our kids are um, resilient and they um, are confident and they are happy and they have, they both still have their arms and legs and, um, <laughs> and you just do the best you can and you make it work and you love your kids and you love having them around and, um, and you obviously need a supportive spouse. And um, I, I just, I don't think there's any magic uh, formula. I, um, and I think it matters for every person. What do people need? And for me, I don't need a lot, right? So I, I, I get up at 4.37 every single morning and I go to my boot camp and I listen to my, my book tape on the way there and the way back. And then I start my day. So that's the time that I get for myself. But then otherwise, other than that, hour in the morning, it's never, it's never about, I mean, it's never for me or about me or time with me. It's either about my kids or my job or my husband. And, um, and I'm okay with that. Right. But if you're not okay with that, then you figure out the time that you need. If you're a, you know, if you're an introvert and you need time by yourself, then you make sure you get that, you carve it out. Um, I, 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 I wish I had some secret answer and just know that it's okay to be who you are and figure it out and navigate it and, Ask for whatever it is you need, but you got to know what you need to be able to ask for it, and then, um, and then do the best you can. And just, it's not. My dad used to always say, "You're going to end up with two eyeballs and a pile of sweat." Like, make sure that you have, <laughs> that you have. And what what is arms and legs? I mean, really, it comes down to that. It's 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 spend time on the things that really are arms and legs. But for the most part, we're in the business of college sports, right? It's it's fun and it's it's healthy and it's active and it's refreshing and it's youth and it's all those things. And so 
I don't know. I feel like I'm talking in circles, but that's about all I'm coming well, up with. You're not talking in circles. You're making really good sense. You know, I encouraged our male coaches and our female coaches to bring their children around. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's a much, much better um, feel um, when the when when the children are there. Um, I always wanted our coaches to be a role model to teach them how to be a good wife, how to be a good husband, how to be a good mother, how to be a good father. There's more to it than just coaching. Mm -hmm. And so when the when the children were around, um, it was fun mm -hmm. and it was great for the kids. Mm -hmm. They got to see mom and dad in action, which was really nice. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it's fun when you see the coaches or staff members, kids around, and then when you get to know them, and then you watch them grow up, and when you meet, when your kids meet other people, and then people know your own children, there's, I don't know if there, and I didn't understand that until having kids, that um, there probably isn't anything more um, impactful to me than seeing people talk and engage with my own children. Like, it's really neat to see that people will take the time and want to know your kids' names or what makes them tick. It really, it's really impactful and knowing how that impacts me, I wanna make sure I do that with other um, colleagues, kids as well. That's great. Stephanie, is there anything that you wanna say um, that you didn't have a chance to say that I didn't ask you that? Uh, one of the things that I've found here that I've, I've just been so inspired by is the opportunity to watch our I always say it's like these 30 to 45 year olds that are on our staff that are people that I mentioned, I talk, kind of talked about them a little bit earlier, people that are at LSU because they love this place. They either went to school here or they're from here. Or they've come for this opportunity and watching all of them absolutely have these wings and go and fly and conquer the world. And I could name 10 different individuals on our staff that two and a half years ago, we didn't know who they were. And you move some things out of the way and you watch the ones that are uh, ready to conquer the world in whatever area they have. And when you find them and you can help give them, um, give them their wings and watch them take off is amazing. And so from that here, I've seen it more here than, than anywhere I've been. And I just would encourage whether it's one of those 30 to 45 year olds to find somebody to champion you, to give you those opportunities to um, see how good you can be, to find those and, and ask them for that opportunity. And if you're like you or me, an older administrator, go find those people on your staff that haven't been tapped and see if they can step up and do these things. Because the people that I'm talking about that, I, that are here were in these really interesting roles and they've just been working. And all of a sudden you find them and you put them in a little bit of a different role or you give them a little different responsibility. And I'm not kidding, get out of their way because they're ready to go conquer the world. And we have a guy here who's been fantastic, but he's leaving to take another job at another school. And I told him, I said that one of the biggest things you're gonna get used to is you you won't, you don't, there's very few places that have the number of exceptional people here that are all these young and young aspiring, I don't even wanna say administrators because they have various areas that they're responsible for. And I think that's a testament to LSU. It's a testament to opportunity. And so whenever people see those people or 
or they are one of those people and nobody's ever asked you to, to step up, find somebody that'll let you step up and show them how good you can be. And it's, I, I'm just watching it here has been really, truly remarkable to see these phenomenal people um, tackle these really cool opportunities. And it's just been fun, so. Wow, wow. You know what? I knew you'd be awesome. You're <laughs> awesome plus, plus, plus. Um, um, wow, the passion, the, 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 just the love you have for what you do is, it comes across unbelievably. Thanks, Gene. Wow. We had a fun profession here. We're out of time on this week's On The Fly College Edition. I'm your host, Gene DiFilippo. Thanks for your time this time, and we'll see you next time.